0: Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early-stage entrepreneurs to understand
1: what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hey there. Today, we are chatting with Estee Chasnow, who's the co-founder of Live Watches. SD and I talk about her and her husband's experiences launching the brand, doing a Kickstarter, learning how Facebook and Instagram marketing work, now playing around with affiliate marketing, what it's like to create a fan experience for a brand, everything about taking a consumer facing brand to market. Super fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Click subscribe, leave a review and check out our sponsors. Enjoy today's episode. If you happen to be looking for a way to ignite your brand, spark some sales, or maybe just fire up your team, branded merchandise might be the way to do that. You can learn more about different items that are available to put your logo on at fuelmerchandise.com. It can be simple startup swag, corporate gifts, anything you're looking for, you can find it at fuelmerchandise.com. Mention startup competitors, get 10% off your first order. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Esty Chazanow, who's the co-founder and brand manager at Live Watches. Esti, welcome to the show. Thank you. Why don't we start with a quick overview of Live Watches?
0: Okay, so my husband and I founded the company uh, together. My husband had been in the watch business for many years, even before we had met, and he had always dreamed um, of having his creating his own brand. For various reasons but he was he worked with first when he first started in the watch industry he was working for actually a brand and he he literally started as packing watches and he slowly made his way up so he and he eventually got into their product develop, help with them with product development and eventually he went out on his own and started buying and selling watches and he basically became like a You know, a watch trader, you know, buying high-end watches and reselling them. Yeah. Um, And he did really well. He was one of the first online retailers back in the early 2000s. But eventually, he realized that things were changing. He felt like nothing new and exciting was really coming up. It was really always his dream to create a brand that would have a direct connection with the customers and where the customers would be called fans, not customers. And so together, um, I I had a very very different background. My background is in um, education, and so I studied business and commerce and also education. I'm Australian, so um, I studied in the Australian system. When we when we got married, we decided that we were going to start this together. So we got married in 2009, but a few years till we actually obviously started. And we launched the brand at the end of 2014, and with with our first Kickstarter.
1: Tell me a little bit about launching the Kickstarter. Have have you only done one of them, or have you done multiples?
0: Okay, so at that time, Kickstarter was really hot, and we just. uh, Before I go into the Kickstarter, I just want to talk a little bit more about you know my husband and myself and why we decided we would you know we would do this together. So because I had a background in education, um, I had been. You know, involved in curriculum writing, education, uh, also in nonprofits, kind of like organizational planning. So part of the goal of the brand also was to bring that education piece into it. So a big push of what we wanted to do was also to kind of educate people, because and that was part of being a new brand and having a direct con- connection to the fans is really teaching them what this product is about, what this brand is about, and a lot of what I'm telling you now is very is really hip and in now, and people understand the importance. But when we started the brand, and um, when we were talking about the concept, it really wasn't such a thing at that time. So we we feel that we really were trendsetters in the Swiss watch space, which we were, because as I'll explain to you soon with the kickstarters, some of the big old brands actually went to Kickstarter after we did because they saw what success we had. So it was really, really interesting. But anyway, so that, that was kind of just us coming together and establishing something. So obviously the watch expertise, the industry knowledge, the product knowledge, until now my husband is in charge of all the product development, whereas I'm more on the marketing education, fan experience. We don't call it customer service. We actually call it fan experience. We don't use the word customer internally either. We use the word fan, and I can talk a little bit more about that later. When we get a watch into the office, and my my guy who works, we call them concierges, who works in fan experience, um, he's like, ST, you know, we just got this watch back in from a fan." He won't even use the word customer. Like, we we make that a really important part of the culture. Anyway, that's another whole conversation. But um, back to the Kickstarters, we started in the end of 2014. So we had no idea how people would receive it. So we just went to Kickstarter, like in a very organic fashion. We told our friends, our families, and we went live. And we were amazed to see how well received it was by the watch community on Kickstarter because there's a big watch community on Kickstarter, people who love watches, And they just loved the design. And so we were actually able to raise $191,000 in 30 days. And that's really what kickstarted the brand. So we would have money for production and so on and so forth.
1: And did you do anything like, did you partner with a company to launch that Kickstarter? Or was that just you and your husband who put it?
0: No, we did that. We did that completely. Ourselves. We were very hands on. We do everything ourselves. Obviously we bring people on to help us as time goes on, but yeah, we did the whole thing ourselves.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we never, uh, we know people who, you know, went to Kickstarter, maybe that they, they started with more money. So they thought that, you know, I'll just give it over to someone, but it's never the same. Even if I would have all the money in the world, I would still do the Kickstarter myself. It doesn't pay. Do you know what I'm saying? It's got to be organic.
1: That's great. And yeah. that, so then that helped you launch the first watch, which.
0: So just sorry. In that regard, we, in we barely did any paid advertising. We were really, it was really organic. I remember I didn't, I had no idea about Instagram sponsored posts at that time. Sponsored posts on Instagram were really in. Cause there was no, there was no Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing. Um, there was no Instagram marketing. Facebook hadn't opened it yet. It paid marketing. I mean, so we were, at, we had a guy reach out to us. His name was daily watch. He's like, Hey guys, I can make a post about you. You'll see, you'll get tons of sales. Just pay me 150 bucks. And we were, and for us, 150 bucks right. is a lot of money. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm not paying this guy. I didn't know him, you know. And then he kept emailing me. And then I was like, you know what, let me just try. I had no idea about it. And we tried and we got $10,000 in sales from his post. <laughs> it was the most incredible return on investment. So uh, so we slowly learned. To, we made a lot of mistakes, but we kind of learned marketing as as time went on. We didn't, and we got much more. You know, we got into. We basically became a much, you know, better oiled marketing machine as time went on. But we still are very hands on, and we still our focus is always on producing beautiful, high quality products, and we we actually always put that before the marketing so like on kickstarter we you know we were late on some deliveries because because the product did not meet the standard that we wanted to so it did hurt us marketing wise in terms of being late at certain points in the game but we didn't care because once they they got the product even if it was a couple months late they were so happy and then obviously we now have regular website sales and so right. on and so forth So so like I said, we continue to go back to Kickstarter every year basically and we became the most, you know, we've made millions of dollars on Kickstarter at this point and we continue to go. We're going to be launching another product on Kickstarter hopefully soon but our goal is to do at least one a year. And then we've built – so Kickstarter is only a 30-day gig so we've built our own internal platform where people can continue to pre-order and it looks like – like Kickstarter style. So it's got that feeling and the vibe of crowdfunding, but it's our own platform. So obviously we don't have to give Kickstarter the fee and we can continue it after the 30 days until we actually have the product in stock. And we then put it on our website as a regular product.
1: Right. Are there other channels that you sell on other than Kickstarter and your own website?
0: Those are our main ones. Um, We do have some products on Amazon. I don't like Amazon personally. Because we don't get the customer data. They do have high fees. They lose product. But our goal really is our website. It's everything. We own the customer. We can have a much more personal relationship with them, which is really what we're all about. We went onto Amazon because you you kind of have to be on Amazon now. But right now we're trying to just um, kind of clean it up and just have our best-selling products there, and that's it. Because... It's really not worth our while in terms of a long-term strategy.
1: Give real, real quick. Give some current stats for the company that that could be number of watches sold. That could be current models. That could be anything. Number of employees. Sure. Anything you can share to paint a picture of where you guys are at as a company.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, we're a very small team. There's just a couple of us. Uh, we have two in fan experience. One guy in marketing, one designer, my husband and myself. So it's a small lean team. We do outsource a lot of, you know, things as well that we need done through Upwork. But that's our core team and we have relationships with um, big, you know, Ronda, Salida. They're the Swiss movement manufacturers and we manufacture in Switzerland. I can also tell you a bit about the collections. You can see them all on our website, basically. Go to LibWatches.com. And currently we have...
1: I am uh, currently scoping out the GX1, just just so you know. It's a very sharp-looking watch.
0: It's still our best-selling. That was our first watch. We got very lucky with it. That was our first watch. People loved it. That was the one that made almost $200,000. First go, no one knew who we were. (laughs) And They paid us almost 400 bucks per watch at that time, it was cheaper because it was on pre sale. Um, now it's um, 490, but yeah, it's still our best selling watch. So you can see, so our last Kickstarter was a huge we, we we introduced four new watches, which was amazing. So that really expanded our collection. So if you go to the top of our website, you can see watches um, and you can see our divers GX Auto. So we now have one two three four five six seven eight we have around uh 10 collections that's awesome and there's also a watch finder on our website you can see that it could help you choose exactly which watch you want
1: yeah i was playing around with that this episode is brought to you by full stack peo most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Tell me a little bit more about why you use the language of fan experience, concierge. Uh, culturally, why is that important?
0: So, we look at this really, you know, not only my husband and I a family, obviously, but we look at it the whole company as a family. We care about each other very much. Our team, we, we look at our team as a family. Uh, my husband are both workaholics so we really our lives really are the live family and our personal family and it's really what they know our kids you know it's really one big family so that's number one so it's about personal relationships internally and externally the word customer and i could send you we did actually a presentation for shopify about the customer acquisition uh, process our model i could send it to you later if you'd like Yeah, I could send you the slideshow that we used, and part of it explains there's customer to fan. So there's there's a customer. A customer will always, it's a transaction, okay? I sell you a roll of toilet paper. You're my customer. You pay me for it. A fan is somebody who loves your product, loves what you're doing. They're a fan. Now, an ambassador is a next level, and that's our next. So we want fans, people who just love it. And it's not transactional, but we, our goal really is to turn people into advocates, which is the highest level. So before advocate is ambassador, our ambassadors represent live they And this is an organic process. This is not a process that it could eventually translate into software and stuff like that. But right now it's purely organic. So they naturally turn into ambassadors wherever they go. They flaunt their watch. They're really proud to represent us. But ultimately, we want our fans to turn into advocates. That's the level up after Ambassador. They'll do anything to basically promote us. They'll go to their boss, tell us to join our corporate gifting program. They'll write that if there's an article about us on Forbes, they'll share it with all their friends. They'll constantly try to convince. They're sitting on a plane. They'll come try to convince a guy sitting next to them to buy our watch. They base they'll leave positive comments all over the place. If someone ever leaves a negative comment, they'll attack them. I mean, these people really (laughs) have an emotional relationship with us, and that's really our goal. And it's really real. It it works because it's it's organic, and it really that's really where we're at. We have advocates, we have fans, we have ambassadors, we have advocates who will go to bat. We have a fan who owns uh, he owns multiple watches, and he also owns a a race car, you know, um, a racing team. Yeah. Or I don't know if he owns a team or the, or he hosts them. I'm not sure exactly, but he owns multiple watches. He said, you know, would you be able to donate a watch as a prize for, uh, and I said, sure. You know, it was, he owned so many of our watches that it wouldn't even make sense for me to say no kind of thing. Right. So we have that kind of relationship. Now, then he promoted us, throughout we made a ton of sales through him because he'll promote us through his his races his friends you know he's he's on that level that he has friends who can afford to buy our watches so it's a natural relationship that naturally we both benefit you know and that's that's how it is
1: right what were. Earlier, you had said that you guys had made a ton of early marketing mistakes. What were some of those mistakes early on?
0: Okay, so a lot of it was with Instagram and sponsored posts, sponsored blog posts and Instagram. We just wasted money on people who told us that they have these huge, you know, we were naive. Now I'm a lot more careful. I'm not going to say I still don't make mistakes. I still do. But that, you know, that's part of the game. But we, I think. We probably wasted a lot of precious funds on using things that we should have, you know, rather put the money to Facebook ads or something that was completely trackable where you're really only spending money for conversions. And right now, that's why I'm really pushing our affiliate marketing program.
1: How do you decide what channels to... Particularly new channels as they come online. How do you decide what to explore from a marketing perspective versus just... Staying in your lane with Kickstarter and Facebook and Instagram and maybe only focusing there. What was maybe the the last new channel that you played around with, and and was it successful? And how did you decide to do that?
0: So right now, I've, I've shifted my focus personally to um, affiliate. We're still doing all the you know Facebook ads and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm finding affiliate marketing really beneficial. You know, but but again, it has to be real. The person has to be a real affiliate a real interest in watches and that way they'll make money. So when I have people reaching out to me like, hey, I have a watch blog to pay 500 bucks to sponsor post, I'm like, if you're really that good, you'll be able to sell a couple of my watches and make that $500 back really quickly. So if you want, you could write a post about us and I'll give you an affiliate link. And I've been really exploring that. I mean, I've known about it all along and we've been playing with it all along. We have – we have a couple of affiliate um, articles online, like through Business Insider and stuff like that, that really helped us as well. But I never explored it properly as a channel. And I'm realizing now more and more that this is where it's at. Nice. Um, but how do I know what to explore? I don't like these guys that hooked us up. <laughs> I just sometimes take a chance. I had no idea <laughs> who they were.
1: <laughs> yeah, under, understood. Uh, I, I could appreciate that, too. Wow. How do you think of differentiating the brand from other Swiss manufacturers? what What's the What's the key differentiators that, that you're going for, and how do you try to reinforce that in your marketing?
0: Okay, our quality for the money is unbelievable, and if you read any of the reviews online, I don't know if you're familiar with big watch watch brands like I'm sure you've heard of Rolex, but like Audemars Piguet, Breitling, all those. Um, if yeah. you look in the reviews on our Facebook company reviews that are totally unmoderated, we cannot moderate them. So I always tell people to look at them. Um, you'll see that people are just, oh, I own these watches and this watch is now my favorite and its quality surpasses or meets these, you know, watches that cost me $10,000 or $5,000 or whatever. So that's, we, that's really what we try to push. We, we, we're not trying to push so much our pricing, because a lot of the people that own our watches have the money. It's more like we're trying to push our quality, the craftsmanship, what goes into every single watch, which is really the truth. And my husband, he's up to two o'clock every morning working on this, um, on the actual product, because he, he really cares about the quality of the product, sourcing the materials. So we really, really push that in our marketing and in differentiating ourselves so and in differentiating ourselves, not only are we differentiated in terms of having amazing value for the money. So we might be just as good quality as a ten thousand dollar watch, but you're only paying fifteen hundred dollars for the watch. You know, depending which watch. But that would be an example for our less expensive watches, like our four. You know, the the one that you the four hundred ninety GX one. There's a very similar tag Hoya that sells for thousands of dollars, made of almost exactly the same materials so you can you'll see it in the reviews that's really how and like i said built on relationships just relationships 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 we have we have a guy in our office he doesn't work there anymore carlos he had such personal relationship that after he left i had a guy call in the office and he's saying hey it's carlos I said, i'm sorry he's not here anymore oh what happened i said you know whatever he just he had he had you have to take another opportunity, to make more sense for him right now. Oh, tell him I wish him the best of luck. Uh, you know, he really helped me so much in buying the one. Like these people, and it wasn't just one person that called, it was like five people. That's just a small pool of people he had been dealing with, obviously, but he had developed such personal relationships with people that they, they missed him. They called, they wanted to know what was going on with him. That's really what, you know, and, and yeah. all the time uh, on every, um, Fan experience email. There's a note at the bottom saying, you know, if you're not happy with the service, please email ST. I kind of oversee it. And do you know how many times I get email saying, I just want to tell you James was such a – so helpful. And you'll see their names in the reviews. So to me, that's proof.
1: Yeah, that's pretty rare. Like <laughs> awesome. they'll
0: say James was so awesome. Or even Chaz or I might answer the phone and help the fans.
1: Uh, if folks would like to get in touch with you or if they'd like to learn more about Live Watches, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Um, they could go to livewatches.com. There's a little chat at the bottom. Um, they can talk to someone usually live. We have almost 24-hour fan support. And they could email me, sd at livewatches.com as well. Personally, our website, Live Watches. It, we have, we're on Facebook at livewatches L-I-V Watches, Instagram, livewatches.
1: Uh, yeah, it's about him. Awesome. SD, thank you so much for taking the time.
0: If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, Startup Competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.